Well, it is good to be with you again this morning. Uh, since about half of you weren't here the last time I preached, uh, I'll tell you just briefly a little bit about myself. Uh, I, I'm an accountant by trade. Uh, I haven't been a pastor all my life. And uh, so uh, God has led me through a, uh, a career in accounting. And uh, I now am the business manager out at uh, Maud School. I uh, took over from the best one they'd ever had out there, my uh, sister-in-law, Pam. <coughs> and so if you haven't figured it out yet, yes, I am kin to Gary and Pam. Uh, Gary's my brother. Uh, I get asked that all the time. Of course, he's more well-known than I am. And uh, when people... Uh, Ask me if I'm his brother, I say, well, I might should not say that because I might hurt his political career if you knew that I was his brother. But nevertheless, I will claim him if he'll claim me, and I, I think so far that he will. Uh, also, we have some other roots in this church. Uh, Kathy is Linda's sister, and some of you who have already found that out were very shocked to find that out. And uh, I don't know why, but you were. And so, of course, Bruce, uh, being our brother-in-law there, and uh, so another family that we have involved in your church. And uh, I, I can't not mention uh, Roy, Dale, and Barbie, who just blessed us, their family so much in song. Uh, we grew up with them in Red River County, and uh, they may not want to claim that either, but, uh, but we did. And it's so good to, uh, to be here with them and to hear them uh, in your worship service. <clears throat> Two years ago, about this time, I thought all God had in store for me was to be a supply pastor. And at that time, I was supplying a lot. We were in the midst of COVID, and uh, I was getting a call nearly every week to go somewhere. We had pastors who either had COVID or had been exposed to COVID, and so I was going somewhere. And... Uh, I never dreamed that actually pastoring a church was what he would intend for me. But about 14 months ago, Brother Patrick called me. And uh, I want to say all this to give you a report on your mission. Uh, Brother Patrick called me uh, about supplying a couple of Sundays over at the mission. <clears throat> and uh, I've, I've been there. They haven't gotten rid of me yet. Uh, I've been there week to week. And let me tell you, that mission, not because of me, but because of the support that everyone has behind it. That mission is a blessing to that community. And uh, there's some people over there who truly love the Lord and truly love each other. And uh, I really appreciate the help that we have. Uh, a couple of your guys, uh, Tommy Ritchie and Fred Milton, are with us almost every Sunday. We gave Fred a couple of weeks off there. Uh, and then... Uh, some of you folks have been joining us on Wednesday night for Bible study. And I say Wednesday night, it's Wednesday evening at 5 o'clock. Uh, we have a super time of Bible study over at the mission. And uh, we do get through most of the time in time for folks to make choir practice over here. But, uh, but nevertheless, we have a good time. We had uh, 21 in our worship service this morning. That's our high mark uh, over there since, I've, since I have been over there. But uh, God is blessing, and like I said, that, that mission is a, is a tremendous blessing and ministry in that community. <clears throat> Before I get too deep in my message, let me also say it's, it's good to have some folks from the mission over here. 
today. And uh, I got in trouble last time, uh, by the way, uh, and I guess I probably ran him off because I don't see Mr. Bobbitt anywhere in the crowd today. But anyway, I made the statement in the midst of my of my sermon that Mr. Bobbitt was the only person in the congregation that I that I knew. And by the way, since then I've met and come to know many of you. But I got in a lot of trouble from Andy for not realizing that I knew her. And they, she and Bart were sitting right over here with Brother Charles. And so uh, they're back. Andy and Bart are over here with Brother Charles again. And uh, they're an important part of our uh, ministry over at the mission. Brother Bart uh, leads our Sunday school class. And uh, if you've never had a Sunday school class uh, led by an attorney giving his closing argument, uh, you need to hear this sometimes. Uh, he does a super job, and our people really love it. And uh, so, Andy, I recognized you, and it's, it's good to have you guys here today as well. My message this morning is from Matthew 4, and I'm going to read the 10th verse here in just a moment, as you might, uh, might turn to it. Uh, many times we look at these verses, and, and we see that, First of all, God allowed Jesus to be tempted. And then secondly, we really like to hang on the idea that Jesus resisted. And thus comes the, the title to the message, Get Thee Behind Me, Satan. And I'm convinced probably in my lifetime, we've not seen the forces of Satan, like we're seeing today. When we see corruption in our country, when we see poverty and crime at huge rates, when we see someone go into a school and kill 20, 25 young elementary students, I tell my group over at the mission, that's evil in our world. That is evil that's here with us. And who is the master of evil other than Satan? We need to individually, corporately, and as a nation say, Get out of my life, Satan. Get thee behind me. You have no place in my life. I'm going to read verse 10, Matthew 4 and 10. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Now in this verse, Jesus is saying, Get thee behind me, Satan. Get out of my life. You've been here tempting me. And we're going to back up and look at these temptations as we go through this message. <clears throat> but you've tempted me three times. I'm done. Get behind me. Get away from me. I've read some commentary. I actually have a good friend who posted on Facebook here. And by the way, Facebook, you only believe what, just a smidgen of it. But anyway, uh, that you need to scream from the mountaintop. Get thee behind me, Satan. Personally, I don't think we have to scream it. Now, it helps if I want you to hear that we need to say, get thee behind me, Satan. But if Satan has worked his way into your life, maybe into the life of your family, 
you can just say, get thee behind me, Satan. God will bless that. You don't have to scream it. God hears it. Satan hears it as well. He knows you're through with him at that point. When we look at the fourth chapter of Matthew, though, and we look at these temptations, before I wrote this sermon a few weeks ago, I had really always looked at these verses as being three occasions where God allowed Satan to get close enough to Jesus to tempt him, to put these temptations in his life. And as I dug into this and looked a little deeper, I realized these three times that Satan was able to tempt Jesus, I think really represent three occasions, times, occurrences in our life where we are a little more susceptible to Satan working his way in and getting his hands on us. Verse 1 of Matthew 4 tells us that Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted. And then it goes on to tell us that he fasted for, for 40 days. Now, imagine if you had been fasting for 40 days. When you came out of that time of fasting, I'm sure some food would look, would look good to you. After that time of fasting, Satan worms his way in and says, you're who you are, tell these stones to become bread. And I'm fully convinced Jesus could have instructed the stones to become bread and they would have become bread. Look at the other miracles that are in the New Testament. But instead, Jesus tells him, man does not live by bread alone. That's Jesus' way of telling Satan, I'm not following your instructions. You don't have control of what's going on here in my life. Now, as you look at that, a time of fasting, a time of fasting is intended to bring us closer to God, right? So I can only imagine that Jesus, after 40 days of fasting, would be very close to God the Father. Folks, that's one of the times that Satan can't wait to get into your life. When he realizes you're close to God the Father, he has to get busy and make his presence known. Many times we allow Satan to damage or destroy the relationship that we have with God. We get close, here comes Satan. We have to work our way all the way back. But times when we're closest to God, Satan realizes that. And here he comes. Then in verse 5, we know that Jesus stood at the highest point of the temple. And boy, this is a good sanctuary to preach this point in because there's some really high points around here, aren't there? Uh, I preached this over at the mission, by the way, about three weeks ago, and they told me to preach it again every opportunity that I got. So that's why you're hearing it this morning, okay? But over there, we don't have any high points. You've got some high points. But Jesus was at the highest point of the temple, every how high that might be. 
And Satan comes to him and says, throw yourself down. Now, even, there are some higher points in here, but imagine Satan telling you to do a swan dive out of the balcony this morning. That makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Satan says, though, God will catch you. His angels, he'll send his angels to catch you and lift you up that you might not be harmed. So throw yourself down. And how does Jesus respond? Do not put the Lord your God to test. You know, God will protect you, but God expects you to have enough sense to not go stand in the middle of Highway 8 out here. By the way, there are some times out there that traffic's pretty fast and pretty bad. God expects us to have sense and not push his protection in our lives. Jesus tells Satan, do not put the Lord your God to test. But as we look at that time, the highest point in the temple. I kind of relate that to be when our churches are really going well, really doing good. They're, they're really prospering. They're ministering. When we're at the highest point in our temple, when our churches are at their highest point, here comes Satan. Satan wants to destroy any church that's prospering and reaching out, reaching the lost. I tell the folks over at the mission quite often, God has blessed us. We've seen growth. We've seen love. We've seen total harmony in our congregation. But be careful lest Satan interjects himself while we're at one of our high points. I would dare say the same would apply for for this church. When you think things are going good, You need to be prayed up. You need to pray for your church. You need to tell Satan he has no place in First Baptist, New Boston. Because I promise you, he'll make himself known. He'll get in. He'll cause backbiting. He'll cause disagreement. He'll even cause some scandal to blow up. And then everybody starts picking sides. Or maybe we just isolate one family for whatever. Satan will damage a church. Satan will particularly damage a church when things are going well, I believe. You know, if you're stuck in a rut and you're not ministering, you're not reaching, you don't have people saved, you don't have people coming by letter, Satan's not worried about you. You already fit his mold for a dead church. He's not going to bother. But if you begin to reach the lost, if you begin to have a fellowship of love, if your church gets on a high point, Satan's interested in you then. Satan wants to knock that church down. Just as he wanted Jesus to jump from the highest point in the temple. 
Anytime we're at the highest point, Satan will make himself known. Then in verse 8, this is the last temptation that Jesus has. He gets Jesus on a, on a mountaintop. And he says, you know, Jesus, look at all this that's around us. I'll give you all this if you'll just bow down and worship me. And here's where Jesus says, away from me, Satan, the scripture that I read earlier. But when we're on a mountaintop, when our lives are on mountaintops, that's when Satan wants to knock us off. If you're in the valley of despair, if you're having nothing but bad days, Satan's not going to worry about you. You're not a witness to anyone else. You're not going to affect the ministry of Christ here on earth. He's not concerned. When your life is on a mountaintop and you're reaching out to others, you're witnessing to others, we're seeing salvation because of the works that you're doing, the people that you're in contact with. Or maybe you're on that mountaintop because things are just going really well in your life. You just got a promotion at work. You got a raise. You now have more money. Oh, Satan loves that. You now have more money. You can have more toys. <clears throat> you know, that's what we hear at our house all the time. We're broke. We can't pay our bills. But then we've got $500. We've got all kinds of places to go spend it. That's really bad with my kids, by the way. Uh, but, you know... We don't realize the blessings that God has for us. We put ourselves on that mountaintop with the material things that God's blessed us with. Satan comes along. Usually by the time it's over, we don't have any of those material possessions left. Satan has worked himself into our lives to that point. You know, when we're personally on a mountaintop, I also think Satan will come into our life and convince us that we don't need to be playing church. And I say that as Satan will tell you, you don't need to bother. You don't need to bother to attend services. Everything will be just fine without you. Or I really like this one. You can worship just as well out here wherever. And by the way, I do believe that you can worship God anywhere that you are. But I think we're made for corporate worship. I think God's plan is for corporate worship, for us to be together. And Satan will work himself in and convince you. Maybe he'll convince you that you don't feel good today. Maybe he'll convince you that your pastor's gone and you've got somebody filling the pulpit. You don't have any idea who he is or what he's going to say. That happened today, and look, y'all got trapped, you're here. But, you know, Satan will put anything into your mind, into your heart, to tear you down when you're on the mountaintop. He'll tear down your family, he'll tear down your church, he'll tear down your relationship with your church. I even think he'll tear down your job, certainly. 
He'll tear down your relationships. How do we protect against that? That's easier said than done, by the way. I think the first way that we protect against that is to daily spend time in prayer with God. <clears throat> and I don't mean necessarily that you have to get out of your bed and fall on your knees right there at your bedside. Some of you may do that, and if you do, that's great. Maybe your time to be in prayer with God is when you first sit down at the breakfast table, when you just bow and have a moment. Maybe your time to be in prayer with God is when you've rushed out the door, but yet you've got a 30-minute drive. Those are good times to pray. Maybe it's when you first get to work and sit down at your desk. Daily communication with God will keep Satan from being able to infiltrate our lives. But the big way is just the title to this message. Get thee behind me, Satan. And to tell Satan to get behind us, we've got to recognize when he's in our midst. And I think we all recognize that he's in our midst, in our world. But we need to recognize when he's in our midst of our family as well. We need to simply hold out the instruction. Get thee behind me, Satan. We don't have to scream it, get thee behind me, Satan. We can just say, get thee behind me, Satan. I woke some of you up with that, didn't I? I want to close with just one thought. Now, it's really three thoughts combined in one. If Satan is challenging you because... You're close to God. If Satan is challenging your church because you're on that highest point, if Satan is challenging you personally because you're on the mountaintop, there's only one response. Get thee behind me, Satan. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I thank you for this time that you've given us. Lord, I thank you for the word that you've given us and the and the message that we have. Lord, just pray that you'll be with this church, that you'll continue to bless it, that it'll continue to to reach into the community and reach those around us. Be with this invitation time, Lord, if there's any decision to be made. Just pray that uh, that you'll touch the hearts of those who, who need to come forward and just lead and guide us. In Christ's name, amen. Brother Danny's going to lead us. I think wherever he leads, I'll go. As he leads, oh, you stand. By the way, that's something I'm bad about, is telling, asking people to stand. Everyone stand. Uh, as he leads, if God's spoken to you this morning, don't say, I've got to wait till Brother Patrick gets back. God may not wait till Brother Patrick gets back. Take care of your business with God today. Brother Dan.